You're listening to I Survived the Wild Outdoors podcast, where real outdoors men and women share their heroic tales of survival. I'm your host, Brad Mathewson, and this is their story. Today's guest I have on the phone is Dave Mole from Kalamazoo, Michigan. He's a writer, a kayak tournament fisherman, and a co-host of Top Water Series Weekly Roundup podcast. So 11 years ago, on July 3rd, 2012, the day before we celebrate this country's independence. You were floating around on an oversized bobber after your boat quickly sank away. Can you tell us what happened, Dave? Well, we went salmon fishing out of South Haven, Michigan. There were four of us in an 18-foot boat. Um, the boat owner, a big guy named Matt Strabinski, okay. his c- cousin, John Bruner, and his then 10-year-old son, Jack. And we went out before daylight and it was, you know, not really rough. It was kind of wavy, but not the kind of day that anybody who has any experience fishing Lake Michigan would say, oh, it's too rough to go fishing. Yeah. So we went out and had an okay boarding, caught three decent king salmon. And sometime around 10 o'clock, we we're starting to talk about going in. And uh, about that time, we one of the planer boards acted like it had another fish on it with a you know copper line. Yep. And um, turned out, though, that it was just tangled in with uh, another copper line. It happened when it got set, and it just looked like it had a fish on all of a sudden. So we reeled that in and ended up getting that, both of those lines tangled in a wire dipsy on the inside. And um, I, I hauled the stuff in and was trying to detangle it. And we got it a little too close to the motor. I did. And it got tangled in the motor with the copper line and, and the seven-strand wire. So turn off the motor right away. And it's still, you know, moderately choppy. I mean, it was choppy enough that John, the cousin from Evansville, Indiana, got a little seasick, okay, you know, but not bad. And, you know, we're, we're trying to detangle everything so we can get out of there. And Matt's saying, well, you know, just, just pull it all in. We'll be fine. We'll untangle it at the shop. And I was like, no, I'm almost, I almost have it. I just have to do one more snip here and we'll have it all fixed. But that, at that point it got in the motor. Yep. So we shut the motor off and we'd been trolling with the waves. So, that was our first mistake as it turned out was that we didn't have a, any kind of a sea anchor to deploy so that the bow could go into the way. Oh, no drift socket. Right? Uh... right. So Matt and I are at the back of the boat trying to detangle everything. And we start taking a little bit of water over the back of the boat. This is a lake of salt boat, which yep. I don't think is made anymore. And it doesn't have a splash well. So okay. any water that pops over the transom ends up on the floor. Yep. And Matt's real intent on getting everything detangled from the motor. And I noticed that there's like water starting to stand in the floor of the boat, you know? And so John is at the helm and say, Hey, John, you know, turn on the bilge. And he does. And water starts spurting out and we progressively get, you know, another wave comes over. And, you know, things are starting to, like, float around on the floor now. Yeah. You know? 
then another one comes over and we have a lot of water and i'm like you know i've already suggested john to move up to the front of the boat where jack is and i'm like matt man we're starting to have a problem here you know (laughs) and he turns around just in time to see like you know we have water almost up to the front deck level wow you know and everything's floating and at that point it's like the boat just starts going over yep and it and it turtled you know it's a whole hull to the sky yep and we were all going in i i grabbed my inflatable life jacket which i wasn't wearing we didn't have time to grab any other other life jackets matt goes in the water and i you know i jumped clear and john has literally tossed jack the kid you know to where you know he's clear of the boat capsizing yeah and Jack was the only one wearing a life jacket. We don't have time to get the other life jackets out of wherever they're stowed. Yep. You know, we are we are in the water, and John doesn't have a life jacket. Matt ends up with a you know a seat cushion PFD, and the boat, you know, it's like okay, we'll be okay. You know, we'll just get on the hull, and somebody will see us. You know, it's Fourth of July weekend. Yeah, you know, so there's going to be boats out there, even though it was a little bit rough, so there wasn't as much boat traffic as usual. So Jack and I both get on the hull, and we're about midway up, and suddenly, not suddenly, but we perceive that the transom of the boat is going down, you know, with the outboard, and we're slowly going vertical. You know, instead of nice. just floating as a turtle boat. And one of the things I remember um, feeling was the copper wire and, and wire kind of wrapped around one of my ankles Ooh, um, as good. I'm hanging onto the bottom of the boat. And I w- I'm able to, you know, shake it free, you know, which thank God, because I would have gone down with the boat. Yeah. So, it, so the boat goes vertical and there's like four feet of it sticking out of the water, just the nose. And John's in the water, and he notices that the cooler that we have, uh, I don't know, 48-quart Coleman cooler, is kind of wedged between the water and the nose of the boat. And he thinks about not grabbing it because it seems to be the only thing that's keeping the boat out of the water. Yep. Uh, but he does grab it, which was a good thing, so it didn't go down with the boat because that ended up being one of our personal flotation devices. <laughs> and... So, all right, the boat, when he grabs the cooler, the boat just goes, and it's just gone. Yep. I mean, it is completely sunk. It doesn't have any kind of built-in flotation, wow. um, you know, any foam or anything like that, and it's just gone. So we're all, you know, kind of stunned, you know. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> yeah, one we're second in the middle of Lake Michigan. One we're second you're fishing, and shore. next thing, you know, you're floating. Yeah, yeah. And the next thing, we're just, there's some planer boards floating around and everything else is kind of gone. There's some, some other things that we had on board. And one of the things that I had brought was a, uh, a yellow little, like a Pelican case that I got as a freebie at an, an Evinrude event okay. um, for a writer's deal, which I had put, I had brought it because Matt's boat didn't have a, um, a uh, Marine radio in it. Yep. And I had, that was kind of like my ditch kit, yep. you know, uh, did my ditch bag. 
that I had a radio in it. And I remembered I also had flares in it. But the radio had been sitting on the side of the boat on, on like the rod locker. Yeah, and I didn't remember if it floated or not. And it turned out it didn't. So it was gone. I have a completely soaked cell phone in my pocket. But I did remember that this case had flares in it. So I swam over to it and grabbed it. And I had grabbed my inflatable life jacket as the boat was going over. It was just sitting on the, you know, on the, on the rod locker. Yep. And so I, I've inflated that. And I have this case. And I'm fumbling around. And just about that time, we see it a boat go by and it's not very far, but it can't see us. We're just four heads in the water. Right. Yep. So we're screaming at it and stuff. And they're, you know, it's close enough that I can see two guys at the transom. They're just talking to each other, and, but they can't hear us. It's just windy and wavy enough that they cannot hear us. And, and we don't have any kind of a, a noisemaker. Neither, none of us was wearing a whistle or had, you know, can horns, you know, yeah. and, and either one of those things I think would have been loud enough that we would have gotten their attention. So I'm, I'm trying to get a flare out, which I do. And I have a little packet of four flares. I pull it out and I realize I have no idea how to fire it off. I've never got, read the directions for it. Right. I think a lot of guys it, don't know how to do that. I, no. I don't personally, I have them in my no. boat. I have no clue. So, you know, by the grace of God, when I jumped in the water and the boat capsized, I'm still wearing glasses, so I can read the directions. I see, okay, you pull this off and pull this, the chain, and, and it shoots off. So I do it, and it goes up like a bad bottle rock. You know? I mean, <laughs> oh, it, it no. is not a signal flare. I, no. I, I should add that it, I did also notice that it was two years expired. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but it had expired in 2010. Okay. So... So I reach for another one, and in the um, uh, trying to set that one off, the first one off, I had dropped the other bag. Oh, you know, no. The rest of the bag with the other three in it. I look in the water, and it's just below my feet. And, but I'm not willing to let go of this life jacket and dive down and get it. No. And by now, the boat's kind of far away anyway, so it's probably not going to do any good. And then there was another boat that we saw. But it well, I, I uh, back it up a little bit. Um, at about this time, Matt's like yelling at John to hang on to the cooler. Okay. And I look over and I see that he's having a hard time. You know, he's like holding it so that it's kind of coming up over his face yep. and he's sputtering. And, and, you know, he's an experienced scuba diver, but he's on the verge of panic. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, he's not been on Lake Michigan before. This is, you know, his welcome <laughs> to Lake Michigan trip. Yep. And so I, I swim over and it's like, and Matt's like yelling at me to, you know, give him my life jacket and take the cooler, which I do, you know, it's a good plan. So I, I hand him my life jacket and he grabs the life jacket and my shirt. Oh you know? boy. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, just the life jacket, Bubba, you know, to, you know make it kind of a joke. Out. Yep. It's like, just let go of my shirt. We'll be fine. So he takes the life jacket and. I take the cooler and I find out immediately that you have to hold your a cooler with your hands laid out. Otherwise it does. It, you know, if you try to hold it, you know, with an overhand grip yep. on the handles, it just comes right up to your face and you, your body slips under it. You know, it, it does not make a, a good, good PFD at all. No. So 
you know, I'm holding it upside down and I can hear the drinks and ice filling it, rattling around. And, um, uh, the, the water pressure is keeping the lid closed. And real soon after that, I mean, we're all separate, you know, I'm holding on to this cooler and, you know, after this other boat goes by and, and I was yelling at it, screaming at it, and it doesn't hear us, Matt and Jack are together. Matt is with Jack holding on to his seat cushion, CFD, and Jack has a full, you know, body size, kid size life jacket on. Yeah. And, and John's holding on to the inflatable, but all of a sudden, like, I'm alone. <laughs> I don't know where those guys went. You know, it turned out that Jack and John or Jack and Matt had made, you know, were the most hydrodynamic of, of the bunch <laughs> and they were able to start swimming towards shore. Okay. John kind of drifts off, um, holding the inflatable and I'm holding out of the cooler. So for the next three hours, you know, uh, I end up just holding on to a cooler and you know, we're five miles from shore, can't really see anything on shore yeah. other than shore. And, you know, as much as I kick towards shore, I, I just can't make any progress holding the cooler. Yeah. The wind was from the south and kind of pushing us northwards or pushing me northwards. I don't know what it's doing to the other guys. And I just like, you know, I think eventually I'll get up to Grand Haven, which is like 30 miles away. Oh, my. You know? <laughs> and maybe I can get to shore, you know. But uh, and, and it's weird the thoughts you have, you know, yep. it's like one of the things that one of the reasons that we're alive today is that the water temperature was 70 degrees, which yeah. is like the warmest ever for July yep. on Lake Michigan. And, uh, you know, had it been 10 degrees colder, I, I don't think we would have made it, you know, which is more normal, like 60 degrees. Because, yep. uh, you know, I looked at a hypothermia chart later and... Um, it would have been about four hours before hypothermia started becoming an issue, even in 70 degree water. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would have never guessed that. Right. Right. So yeah, I, I just, I remember having all sorts of weird thoughts and, and mostly just feeling stupid, you know, that I'm hanging on to a cooler. I don't have any way to contact anybody. I don't have a floating radio. I don't have any more signal flares. I don't have, you know, anything other than the cooler yeah. <laughs> and I can't go anywhere. No, <laughs> Like, you know, I, I honestly didn't think I was going to die. You know, I mean, it was like around 10 30, I think when this happened. Okay. So it's early in the day and it's, you know, the daylight's going to be really long. Yeah. You figure you and, get plenty of time. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking somebody's eventually going to see this cooler and come over and check it out. And like three hours later, that's exactly what happened. We, we had caravaned over with uh, Al Malsh, who is a business partner of Matt. And, um, and Al was still out trolling with his grandson, who was also, I think, 10 at the time, and another buddy, Travis. And they're still fishing because Al doesn't have his limit. And he, he's one of those guys that never gets off the water until he has his limit. Yeah. You know, so he's, you know, three hours later, you know, uh, I'm kind of looking over and looking around the cooler and I see a boat and it's like, Hey, that looks like Al's boat. And, and it's pretty far away, but I think he's headed for us, you know? 
And, you know, sure enough, he's seen the cooler and he wants to check it out, see what it is. Yep. And then he notices that there's a body attached to it <laughs> and he doesn't know it's me yet. Right. Yep. So he, he has Tyler, his grandson, get underneath the console because he doesn't want Tyler <laughs> to see a dead body. Michigan. And he gets up to it and I was like, Hey, Al. I was like, you, and I was like, holy shit, it's Dave. <laughs> you know, like, and I tell them real quick what happened. And they haul me in, in their boat. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit chilled, but I'm okay. Yep. You know? He, he uh, gets the Coast Guard uh, with a, a mayday call on the on radio after he hears what happened. And explains what happened to the Coast Guard. And the Coast Guard says, well, just call us on a cell phone. Don't don't take up the emergency channel. So Al does. Yep. And soon thereafter, I mean, everything after that happened really fast. The um, rigid inflatable boat, you know, the rib. Yep. Um, with a couple of Yamahas or whatever comes flying out from the Coast Guard, and they set up a, a flash and buoy and start doing a grid search for the other people in water. Right before they got there, we advised another boat that came by be careful that there's more people in the water and you know maybe look for them and, and that boat was set up i think these people were going perch fishing okay it was a, a mid-sized sea ray and they found john who it turned out was like 50 yards away from them, you know, oh really time. yeah so they found him and and radioed the coast guard that he was found and then as the the rib does its search. The helicopter comes, and man, once the helicopter was there, it was, it immediately found Matt and, and Jack, who had made it pretty good headway. They were a couple miles closer to shore. Oh wow! But they were hovering over it and and got the other Coast Guard boat over, and they picked those guys up. So you know, we had kind of a tearful reunion. We went back up into uh, into. South Haven up the Black River there. And there was a medical tent or something, or medical trailer, I guess, that wanted to check us out. And I'm like, I'm fine. You know, you don't need to check me out. John had injured his ankle a little bit, but you know, we were fine. Okay. We were okay. And so we see Matt and Jack at uh, when we get back and Matt was pretty sure we were dead. You know, he's like, Oh my gosh, those guys are alive. You yeah. know, <laughs> So, uh, you know, we, we all were crying, you know, it's like, thank God we're alive, you know, but yeah, that's the story. I mean, we had, we had some definite lessons that we learned, you know, the first one being to have a sea anchor so you can turn your bow into the waves if you ever in that situation so that you can ride over the waves better. Yep. Second was we should have been wearing some sort of noise making device and, for sure, we should have been wearing some kind of PFD or at least known where they were so we could grab them really quick, put them on, so we weren't holding on to coolers and stuff. Yep. And, you know, either had a waterproof cell phone that we could have called. I mean, back then, I had an iPhone. It wasn't waterproof like they are today. No. And, you know, it would have been helpful to have a, a floating radio, you know, a handheld radio that we could have done a Mayday call with, too. I mean, nobody knew we were out there. No, and possibly some knowledge of how flares work. Right, right. <laughs> and I should have reviewed it. If I yep. had to fire off a flare, I could have gotten a couple of them off. Yep. 
you know. And then, you know, I mean, I, I didn't bring the flares long to use them. They just happened to be in this old ditch bag that I had, yep. you know. And even though they were expired, they sort of work, you know. So, and I don't know if another one would have worked better, but it would have been really helpful to have some sort of a smoke bomb flare so that people could have seen us better than, you know, these tiny little flares that in the, in the middle of the day, they yeah. just don't signal much, you know? So, yeah. No, and, and that's the story. as cheap as they are, people should really take one out of their boat, go outside, read the directions, and fire it off. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. it's it, it's going to save your butt possibly in the future, you know? You, you, right. Especially when in a, you're in a panic mode, you know, when something happens as fast and you're not thinking correctly, you know, if you've done it before muscle memory is going to usually or hopefully kick in and you better, you know, kind of help save yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And make sure you have, you know, better flares. But yeah, I I think uh, a smoke bomb flare would have been good or having some sort of mirror to reflect in the sun and, you know, flash it towards shore would have been helpful. I've got that stuff now. I've got a whistle and a, and a mirror on a, on a lanyard that okay. anytime I go into Lake Michigan, I wear it. And sometimes I take a kayak fishing with me too, but not that often. I'm a much smaller lake. And then, you know, why not wear an inflatable PFE? You know, they're so lightweight. They don't get in the way. No, they've come a long way. And yeah. I mean, if, and if you go in the water, you got it ready. You don't have to worry about where the life jackets are. Cause you know, from the time, the first wave flashed over the back of the boat to the time we were all in the water was probably three and a half minutes, you know, four minutes, you know, it just happened so fast, you know, that, that, um, that boat went over and down. We didn't have time to think about, well, where's the life jacket or anything. Yeah. So, Well, you answered that question, I guess. Everybody should wear those PFDs. I mean, I, I'm i not a, a great swimmer. My wife bought me one, oh, man, probably 15 years ago when they first started coming out. And mm-hmm. the only thing with those is they do have an expiration date on the CO2 cartridges. Right. So, you yeah, know, you, you got to make sure those are good. You got to make yeah. sure those are good. But mine, and I think most of them, you can actually inflate. Uh, there's usually a tube on them, like an air tube, and you can actually blow it up right. manually also. So you you know, yep. if that if you pull it and it doesn't happen, you can actually blow it up too, and they don't weigh nothing. Yep. I mean, it's like having a vest on. Yeah, I mean, every time I've gone trolling since then, and and to be honest, the, um, that experience kind of soured me to doing much of the big lake stuff. You know, I just kind of lost interest in it. I mean, that's all I did for thirteen years. I should back up and say that I was editor of Great Lakes Angler yep. at the time. Okay, and. I had been out so many times on Lake Michigan and Lake Superior and Lake Huron and Lake Ontario, Lake Erie, wow. uh, that, you know, I just really didn't expect anything like that could ever happen to me, you know? It's just like most people think of going on their local lake and then the little, you know, 10 horsepower fishing boat yep. and going out fishing. I mean, it was no nothing to think about going out on, on Lake Michigan and going fishing and that anything like that could ever happen. And, you know, if it could happen to me, it could happen to anybody. Yeah. And the other thing, 
you know, you, I take a, an inflatable when I have gone back out fishing the few times that I have on Lake Michigan or uh, any of the Great Lakes. And, you know, I put on a, a, an inflatable. And, you know, sometimes the captains who might not know the story will say, well, what do you think? My boat might sink? And I was like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I feel comfortable at least wearing an inflatable, you know. I remember reading something, and it said uh, about boat boating accidents, and they said most people believe that boating accidents happen in bad weather. And actually, the stat that I read was three-quarters of the boating accidents occur in fair weather and in broad daylight with good vis- sure. good visibility. Well, and, that's when most boats are out. Yeah, yeah, most boats are out. But I think people generally are thinking – you know, Gilligan's Island and, and, you know, the big, big waves come and the storm comes and next thing you know, you're, you're shipwrecked with uh, Ginger and Marianne. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need a big storm to have a big problem on, on the Great Lakes. No. And that, you know, it's a, I think, you know, people can take something from this story. It's, it's uh, always be prepared and always prepare for the worst. You know, you're, sure. you only got one, one chance, one life and, uh, just something so simple as just a, a life jacket, you know, could save your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm a big proponent of having a, a, a redundant radio. I mean, if you're on a, a if you have a, a Great Lakes boat that has a built in radio, if your boat starts going down, you're not going to be able to use that radio, no. you know, and, and it's nothing to have a, a waterproof handheld. I mean, it costs like a hundred bucks, you know, yep. and just clip it onto your belt so that you have it. So you can hail other boats that are going by or, or the Coast Guard. Yep. Well, thank you for sharing your story today, Dave. And, uh, I mean, it's prime boating and, and fishing season right now. So hopefully there's people out there that can hear this story and, and, you know, get a couple of tips from, from the tragedy that happened to you guys. And I'm glad that everybody is okay. And I mean, it could have ended just, just horribly. It really could have. Oh yeah. It really could have. Yeah. It doesn't take that much to be prepared for that kind of stuff. You know, just having a, a good ditch bag that has good flares and a, and a handheld radio and, you know, a noisemaker and some sort of signaling device, you know, your odds of going, of being found if, if your boat does go down, they go up immeasurably, you know, just yes. to be able to show people your location in the water. Because bobbing heads are hard to see. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, especially in waves. You think about that, you know, every time a wave yeah. goes up and down and then the boat that's out there, they're riding the waves at the same time. So they might be going up while you're going down. And, yeah, just never see right. it. Plus dangerous, yep. you know. If there's a boat, it might be on top of you too. Exactly. You know, yep. think about that. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm always happy to share the story. I mean, the details are getting fuzzy after 11 <laughs> years. <laughs> you nope. know, there, there was a, a lot more drama. I mean, you can read the post that I wrote, the blog post I wrote. It's still on the Midwest Outdoors website. Um, I can find the URL here. If you, if you go to uh, MidwestOutdoors.com and do a search for 
stupid adrift and thanking God for a Coleman cooler, (laughs) (laughs) you can find the story. It's a kind of a lengthy blog post I have there that has a lot more details. You know, I have a a quick boat review of the the, uh, Lake Assault boat, which, uh, you know, it was a nice boat, but I certainly would never buy one because they tend to sink. (laughs) <laughs> did they know, did they end up um recovering the boat or no no as far as i know that boat's still down there with this i think it had a 90 horsepower honda outboard on it wow see the dnr in wisconsin if you put a boat a four-wheeler a fish shack anything in you're responsible a vehicle you're responsible for getting it out and you have yeah. i think it's i believe it's 30 days i know you can get extensions but i believe it's like 30 days you have to get it out, and uh, there's a actually a company in Wisconsin that specializes in that, and it's very expensive. But yeah, you put it in, you got to get it out. So yeah, well, it makes sense to do that. But nice, uh, nice fish habitat down there, nice little fish crib. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I don't know. You know, if it was neutrally buoyant at all. It might be. Who knows where it is? Yeah, Might wash up on shore one day. Maybe. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Dave. Yeah, uh, my pleasure, Brad. Yeah. I'm glad we finally get hooked up here and uh, got this in tonight. So thanks for everybody listening and, uh, and enjoy all that Mother Nature has to offer. If you like what you heard today, click the subscribe button to hear more upcoming stories. If you or someone you know have a survival story, you'd like to share, contact me at I survived the wild outdoors at gmail.com.